Welcome to the second installment of the Chud Show here on the podcast or on a CD or transmitting directly to your grandmother's crotch. I'm Nick Nunziata of Chud.com. Along with me is Justin Waddell, Andrew Sweeney, and Micah Robinson. Steve Murphy is not here right now. He's having a baby head-sized object put in him. So, uh, if you could, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Micah. Okay, well... I also wanted a baby head size object put in me, but Steve's quick. He's very, you have, you have to watch him. He's very crafty. Andrew? I'm Andrew Sweeney. I wanted a mica sized object, but uh, he had to do a, a podcast. So, Justin, everybody knows you, but I go can ahead. help you with that, though. He sure can. I'm just listening to the new guys. Yeah. Post breakup purging. Are you still penising over those problems photos from your embryonic trip to Midian Harbor? Have you read and reread the half gremlin notes he wrote to you golf cart times? Do you still taste in his vampire hate cowl? Well, it's time to get over that contracepting feeling by tossing all evidence of your secretly white relationship into a big fire. Just make sure you have some swamp nearby in case the flames become too duplicate. You could also bury everything in the tenderness, or you can just drunk it in the spleen larva. You're well on your way to charm goading him all out of your cheerful reaper. We're back with the Chad Show. We're going to have a little dinklage here, a little, little discussion. About what? <laughs> I get it. Andrew. What are we going to talk about, Nick? Well, I was going to get to that. This is about firsts. Wait a minute, Nick. What are you talking about? The guy who played Flounder. First? Was his name? Steven First. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Andrew had earlier said that uh, the first uh, video he remembered renting was The Last Unicorn. That's right. Which is brave of him. I mean, that's that's a that's a manly thing to come out. I, and I was say. a kid. I, you know, I I have no. Uh, I don't feel I need to defend that. Did you? Uh, do you still have it? No, I rented it. I took it back to the store. No. Why? Why did Why did you take it back? So the last unicorn. What was the plot? I don't remember. All I really remember is the box, and there was a unicorn on it. Naturally. That's and, bullshit, uh, Andrew. What was the plot? There was something about fire. And a, a bad guy of some sort. <coughs> and there was something probably about a, a non-surplus of unicorns. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm, just, I'm taking a taking a. It guess. was in the opening crawl. There were there were a non-surplus of unicorns. I get it. I there get was it. a unicorn deficit. Uh, Nick, it could what, be said. What was your first uh, rental? Um, I, I, I I'm sure it was something. It was a, I think it was a video disc. I know that. Like a video disc, because we woohoo, those- Mr. Video Disc. That's right. Some of us still had tapes. Some of us still have tapes. That's good. Well, that's great because the video disc was a step below videotapes. It was like a fucking LP. You had to flip it. It was slap a- it, rub it down. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh no, hey, Mr. Fancy Bicycle, I'm gonna get back in my car and leave. Fucking, don't you have to know that you have to know the evolutionary chain of video before you can start harassing me. Jesus Christ. Fuck him. 
<laughs> so what, what, what was your first? Nick? I think it might have been Twilight Zone the movie, but no, because uh, no, they had we had we had that was that was in the eighties. In the seventies, we had you know we used to rent stuff, but honestly, I don't remember. All I remember is that the first like when I had my first machine of my own at the house, I had a stack of video discs that included Heaven Help Us, um, I think The Breakfast Club. Uh, and Marathon Man or something like that. So it, it was basically those on heavy rotation in Greece. In Greece. So I don't remember renting them though. We were we were even we were owner an owner uh, household even then. What about you? Um, I can't pinpoint. I don't remember the first, but I remember one of the first was Gotcha. Great movie. Starring. A little quiz for you. Starring. Anthony Edwards, Linda Fiorentino, and the guy who played Manalo. And I don't remember him, but I do remember Linda Fiorentino and. Anthony Edwards. Yep, and she played Sasha Bonacek. That was a movie about college students who would go around with fake guns. Dart guns. Dart guns and shoot each other in, in the lower like leg area, the, the butt or the leg, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't think that was the exact pitch that they used to sell the film. And then they'd say, gotcha. So can you imagine them going into a, a studio office and say, look, I've got a, a premise for a film. <laughs> guys on a college campus who shoot themselves in the lower leg area I, <laughs> and then and then wait for it don't buy it yet they say gotcha no I think that's I think that's a movie that can be remade actually gotcha it, yeah I mean I mean guns at school <laughs> didn't Gus Van Sant remake that but I mean it just seems like a movie that they it went, could it underwent a title change though didn't it I think it did gotcha means elephant in Sudanese I thought it was Australian. <laughs> that's where they actually shot them. At. That's another where the dart went. Sudanese. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> makes no sense. Holy shit! <laughs> Three, two, fucking one. Good crip. <laughs> Question. Lighthouses help ships out. What do fat houses do? Help you? Answer. Ask God. Oh, wait. He's fake. (laughs) Dan Whitehead poses an intriguing question. What is the almost great movie that frustrates you the most, and what would you change to make it the movie it should be? Hmm. And please don't whip out any Michael Mann books. <laughs> now, I would say the, a movie that can be could have been improved, I was a little disappointed, because I read the book, was Thomas Harris's Red Dragon that was recently directed by... Brett Ratner. Who you've stuck up for in the past. I stuck up for him because he's not evil. Now, I'm not saying this is Ratner's fault. I don't know how much he had to do with the screenplay, but I think the difference for me, because I read that book, um, and this is this, you know, this movie was shot before by Michael Mann, Manhunter, right? There's two versions that they had to get this book right, and they haven't done it, is because the main character, Will Graham... Very good. You're getting all the names right. I'm getting the names right. Um... He he is he he's like the hero of the of the book the movies but he's kind of a very in the book he's kind of like a serial killer in a way 
he can think like a serial killer because he has those tendencies. And in both the movies, they leave that out and they kind of just make him to be, uh, a, a you know, kind of a troubled hero. And uh, in the books, it's a, it's a little bit more complex. And I think that the reason that they they didn't do that for the movies is they were worried about the audience relating to somebody like that. But I think it's tough to get that level of depth in two hours. I mean, I th- I think sure you could add elements of that character, but would you be able to flesh it out enough that that even a an, a seasoned or a savvy filmgoer would understand what you were trying to get across yeah, in that well, I, short of time? You know, I think yeah, you can take you can do different things in books, obviously, that you can in movies. But I think that you could they could have taken a risk to make him a little bit of uh, less of a hero, a little bit kind of more questionable. You know, he does things in the book like he kind of causes. Uh, a character or two to, to get killed through his actions, you know, and and that they don't do that in the movies is kind of to me it comes off as kind of weak. That they didn't take that chance. All right, I can see that. Although uh, there are, there's merit to both of those movies. I mean, they're both entertaining movies in their own right. See, Manhunter when it first came out, I didn't find a, a damn thing wrong with it because it was I mean it was so different. It just hasn't it hasn't aged that well. You know, still, yeah. it's, I think it's still more, uh, a pow- more powerful than than uh, Ratner's film. Oh, definitely. Easily, yeah. But you know, I, I, Ray Fiennes in that in, in Ratner's film was very good as the as the the main serial killer, the bad the bad dude. So. Yep. And and honestly, I think uh, by having Anthony Hopkins as Lecter, oh. it's he plays it as a joke now. I mean, it's kind of like he he plays it. He has too much fun as as as, as Lecter. And it's just, you know, there's no there's no threat to Lecter at all. And also, he, you know, there's no mystery, of course, but also um, that silly ponytail that he had. <laughs> the Lee Press-On ponytail. I, the ponytail, I don't mind, but it's like the whole, like, the anti- fact that they put the rest of the pony on him. <laughs> no, actually, centaur. that I love. Okay, what were you saying? Well, the fact that they, they had to go and make, like, charismatic killer into an actual anti-hero you know it's like the the whole like venom he's a bad guy he's a good guy but he was kind of an anti-hero in science of the lamb so i mean did you did you not like his performance there yeah but the the thing is is like there there was like at least a a little bit of a genuine menace to the character oh i agree with you Yeah, yeah and by the time you got to like hannibal it was like okay he's the bad guy everybody's rooting for and thus not really bad at all and then by going back in Red Dragon, because they've already eroded the fact that he's not really, you know, he's he's someone that the audience loves and, and you know, cares yeah, about. He was an unnecessary element at that so point. So what you're saying mind. was he had a disdain for submarine sandwiches. He was a hoagie hater. And I did, I did like uh, Hannibal quite a bit. I know that's not really what we're talking about, but I thought Hannibal was a good, like, kind of poppy horror flick. I mean, they'd, I love Hannibal yeah, the movie. But, for what it does for the series and for actually making narrative sense, I, I, I can see The stuff that takes place in problems. Italy is among the best stuff in the entire series, though. All the Italian sequences in Hannibal, to me, I'd put them up against the best of Science of the Lambs, of Manhunter, of Red Dragon. And in the movies, the whole way through so over the top, never stops. I mean, just so over the top, like... And I, I, I appreciate that about the film. It's, it's nothing like Science of the Lambs at all. Right. Um... But I still liked it. Whereas I felt that you know Red Dragon, another problem is that it tries to be a lot like Science of the Lambs, and, and Ratner just doesn't have the skill for a Science of the Lambs. No. Although Nick, 
You don't really like Silence, Silence, do you? I think it's good, but it it wasn't. It, it's not my favorite in the series, and I don't even think it was, it was definitely not the best picture of the year. It came you like out. it better than Ratner's film, though? I do, I do, d- definitely. Uh, but I, you know, in the same way, uh, I mean, I just did not. I didn't. I, I didn't find you know Jodie Foster. I mean, her character was good, but it wasn't transcendent like it was treated in. Lecter was creepy, but I I felt that Brian Cox was creepy as Lecter, and nobody gave him any credit, you know. And Manhunter, when, when, right? And Manhunter when when uh, Jonathan Demme's movie came. It was out. a less showy performance, and he didn't have that much screen time. But he was good. You're right. And he, he was, was memorable as hell. Yeah. And the thing is, there was a closer parallel between Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter, whereas in Red Dragon, Will Graham was generic investigator guy number yeah. 74 as much as I love Edward Norton he was definitely the wrong guy yeah he was very alright Andrew do you have a movie that kind of sticks out for you as something that or Micah uh, or probably me? recently do I have one no read okay go ahead hate you recently even though I know the director has gone at great lengths to explain why he did his thing in the last part I honestly thought like high tension had a chance of being great and it gets to a part toward the end of the movie where there's a quote unquote twist I'm not going to say it no, we allowed, still... we're allowed to give away twists yeah we can give it away are we yeah just warn just warn the good All right, folks listening here, here's for a warning sakes. here's a spoiler for a, a rather piss poor movie yeah, here, yeah, Inviso text to follow the movie is is anyway, shit. go ahead. I don't. I don't think the movie's shit. Like I, I like the fact that there's there are these people out in the remote area, and for no reason whatsoever, the psychopath comes out out of nowhere and just starts killing shit, killing <laughs> shit. Like there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just like this fearsome thing that you can't get away from. And there's a good bit of brutality, and then a good bit of suspense. Sounds and original. And all of a sudden, it's just like, what? It sounds original the plot so far. Moving on it's quickly. It's a veritable ripoff of shit killer. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you, I I'm, think. I'm tired yeah. of people talking about shit killer being ripped off. I'm tired I, of that. I, I do agree with you. You're saying it, but you, you thought it was pretty good, and then the ending kind of ruined it. Yeah, and now and now when I go back, like I can't appreciate the part that I thought was good, because... What followed? Yeah, when right. Chow Yun-Fat entered the picture, <laughs> and it was a ghost. <laughs> All right. Who was actually the crime lord behind the entire... Okay. Thing? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I um, hated yeah, that. I, high tension. They squandered. I mean, I like, mean it, the film looked good. It's just it looked good. I mean, it looked in the previews. It looked like a sharp film. It's just that it was so dumb. Like when the twist was so fucking bad that like that to me, I can't even think about that movie without uh, without. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a. I just don't think it's a worthy film. And I'm glad that it didn't do well. I mean, it, it came over here and they kind of positioned it to be kind of a, a horror hit. And it didn't make any money at all, and it's it's just that's a that's a good ending to that story because it's not a good movie. But you know what though, plenty of horror movies do well here that are not good movies. I know that's my and point. I'm glad that this one didn't. You know. Yeah, but what what about the other ones? He hates, Why are you singling this one? Out? I don't like. I'm. I'm he I'm hates not, foreign. I'm just glad that one failed. Uh, when other ones. You hate don't. foreigners? Why? All right. I don't. I don't. I've got. You one. hate foreigner? Why? I, just, oh, I, just, I do like foreigner. Daddies. Actually. All right. Hit us with your best shot, Nick. Here's a film, and his question to re, to refer you know to remind people: What is the almost great movie that frustrates you the most, and what would you change to make it the movie it should be? I'd go with Saving Private Ryan, because there is um, there was so much good stuff in that movie. It's a great cast. It was obviously 
pretty much the best money can buy in terms of the production and who they got involved. But there is a really, really lame bookending sequence uh, featuring an uh, an opening sequence as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, bookends the beginning and the end, and it's that's hence bookend. <laughs> what I said anyway. Um, not to be confused with the bookends from the eighties, um, featuring like this old guy and his family at a cemetery at Arlington Cemetery, I think, visiting the grave of some unknown soldier of the time. You also don't like that film because you hate America, <laughs> right? Is that? I don't really hate America. Why are you rooting for the terrorists? Well, I just. You know, I'm. I, you always root for the underdog. I, I'm playing this fantasy league, and rotisserie terrorism league. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I really, I think I have a better. Is it chance. too late for me to sign up for that? It is. Shit. Yeah. So you, you think all they have to do for that movie to make it a great film is to chop off those two no, sequences? No, no, not, no, not, not just that. But to me, that's like the first important step because it cheapens it and it makes it just too gooey. It, it basically becomes what people accuse Spielberg of you know they say it's too schmaltzy too sentimental and that movie is all about hardness and edge and being unafraid it is but the plot's a little uh, the plot as well I think is a little too sentimental yeah but you can have a great film with a very threadbare plot I mean there are plenty of which that movie has that movie does have a threadbare plot I mean, you, like when you look at a DVD and he does his introduction, or I mean, he meant the film, whatever the hardness was there, he meant it kind of as like a Valentine or, or a, a, an honor to those guys. So. I honestly think a lot of that is him saying publicly the thing people want to hear. Yeah, I mean, like he, I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, you can't not say that, especially now. But, you can't not say that. But I think, honestly, it doesn't matter what his intentions were, but for it to be a great film to me, that would be the first step, and then I would also probably do some little tweaks throughout the film. And, and honestly, the Omaha Beach or the Normandy, you know, the Normandy sequence is great, but it's great the first time. Now, to me, it's, it's like... Uh, it's the part I least enjoy watching that movie. I would just kind of tighten it a little bit and 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 and, and let it be what it was. And that's a good point. You know what I? One of the things I was thinking of while not listening to Nick and thinking about things to say was um, it might be you know controversial, but I would probably cut that first scene. The you know make the first twenty minutes of Saving Private Ryan the first three minutes because. It it holds back the rest of the film because people are still reeling from. I mean, you know, go go to your your nearest frat boy and say, "Hey, what'd you like best about Saving Private Ryan?" Oh, the first twenty minutes. Well, what you know, name Tom Hanks's character. Go to your Nothing. nearest frat boy. I, I'm, you know, your standard moviegoer. Not not one of our ilk. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you guys. I think I think that that sequence is great. Is 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 a very well done moment in that film I th- and I think that the ending is even better I mean I think that's what you're yeah but, but I think what Andrew's before. saying is that it's a flashy show and tell type sequence that is all about the visual side and, and tricks and showing off I think then we're really jaded moviegoers then I mean I don't think Spielberg can win then I mean what is that movie without without he's he, he trying to represent I mean, what he thought war looked like you know, on film, but he does that. We he don't does even buy that. that. I mean, why are we even talking about this? No, movie? no, 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 no. I'm not talking about not buying it. I'm saying he he represents. He paints war as a horrific thing for the entire film, but that film it, it it's a great 20 minute sequence. But what holds back the the film as a whole is that it's so top heavy. It's to make to make yeah, a pretty bizarre. Uh, what he's doing there, comparison. he's showing the claustrophobia of combat and how you know how fast it is and how how. 
how just completely chaotic it is. But I think if you ask a lot of people, the most resonant aspect of that film isn't that scene. It's seeing Adam Goldberg's character getting stabbed up in the upper floor of that building. To me, that that is much more powerful than that opening sequence. But but how many people that are not cinephiles would would think of that sequence? You know, I agree honestly, with you. You know what? I I think anybody that sees the movie a second time, you know, because I mean, the first time everybody knew about that sequence. That was the big thing, and you were still numb for maybe you know five ten minutes after that. But after you've seen it once, you know, I think it's you see it as a different film, and that's why a lot of people change their take on that movie. At least on Chud on the message boards, a lot of people's love for that movie or hate for that movie changed upon the second viewing because it wasn't just about that show and tell sequence. I, I kind of disagree with you guys on the first part. I mean, I think it is a show and tell sequence, but I think it's very effective. And I think at the, by, by the time you get to the end, you even have a more showy or a showier. Uh, sequence but it's better it's because you know the characters at that point too and it's it's more it's you're more emotionally hooked at that point what i think is bad about the film i think the bookend sequences are they're he's catering because i think spielberg always wants to have it always like i think he wants to have like really like you know hard movies in his you know hard moments in his movies but he also wants to cater to people he does he's like he wants to give you sugar and spice and i think what's weak about that film is are the bookends like you're talking about and i think the plot i think the plot is weak in that film um you know they're 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 great parts in that movie it's just that they had not much of a plot i've got got a friend who um she insists that the the way that that film should have been i mean like not that's how it should have been but realistically they should have just sent gone and killed the mother of the ryan brothers at the beginning because all that all that work to say the one kid. Do you think that would have been an interesting film? Shoot Private Ryan's mom. The movie. Stop or I'll shoot Private. They Ma- actually Ryan's made mom. a porn with that title. And let me tell you, it was good. Let me guess. They bookended her. <laughs> Why do you have to spoil it? <laughs> they stormed. They stormed her beach. What you're saying? <laughs> was there anybody with a hollowed out face in that one? Keep going. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Do they Bangalore? <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, the bang show, but allure? What the? Well, there was, there's an allure to banging, isn't there? <laughs> so, okay. I think we sufficiently took care of Private Ryan and uh, Hannibal. Does anybody else have another movie? Thanks Clute? For, thanks for forgetting High Tension. <laughs> Thank you for not for picking me. Thanks for disregarding <laughs> yeah, it's forgotten, the, the black God. participation. But That's God. what I like to call it. High the tension. black Come on, participation. It, but I mean, there, there, there's, there are bones and framework with high tension where it could have been a great movie in that genre. Or not. You'd have to be high to feel any tension from that movie. I bet that's the first time that joke has been made. I'll I'll go out on a limb and I'll I'll bring up the village because you have it's to be high. Uh, b- let let me go with this. The village is a film that speaking of going out on a limb. Yeah. Def Leppard's drummer. Yeah, also I <laughs> <laughs> I I want to thank you for taking the heat off me. So please. I appreciate that's that's Scoot. what I'm here for. I I think in the hands of a capable director uh, that's not to say that M. Knight's not capable, but in this film he wasn't. In the hands of a capable director and a, a damn fine editor, this could have been a pretty good film. For one thing, get rid of the fucking twist. Uh, we yeah. Twists are killing films. 
I mean, talking about the dance at this point. <laughs> no, the hairstyle, right? At, at this point, the twist in a film is expected. You talking about the dance? He's talking about no, the, the hairstyle. Bread in the container. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, Andrew. I think I think you're right on this one. I. Like, that, you hear how surprised Justin sounds? I, I think you're right, man. You're not shit. <laughs> I'll be damned. <laughs> Did not say that. But there are there are scenes in the village that, if cut in a completely different order, work very well. When um, what's her name? Howard Bryce Howard. Mm-hmm. When Bryce Howard is Bryce Dallas Howard. That's right. When BDH is running through the meadow of the red flowers, you know that's that's a great. <laughs> That's only happens that once a great. month. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, it was great. She didn't see it. Keeping it together. Okay. Andrew actually uh, saw The Village, I don't know if you heard this, on his honeymoon night. <laughs> <laughs> we got it on pay-per-view after the Herculoids movie. <laughs> but your friends were there looking at it with you? I don't get they it. were looking at The I, Village. I keep interrupting people. you, but I, th- I, I think... You're right. That movie would have worked great as like just a fable of a blind, like the blind girl that goes to rescue Absolutely. her village. And I, it's too bad that they can't, they can't make a movie like that anymore. They don't, they don't think that would work. It, like it wouldn't sell. I mean, people yeah, wouldn't get it. it. I think, I think it would sell. And I think because uh, Shalom is behind it, I think people, people were going to see the village before. You know, it made a lot of money, and then people stopped going because it was crap. But I mean, it opened pretty well. But fables, fables are a hard sell in Hollywood. I mean, look, let's look at Pan's Labyrinth. Guillermo with the site, site favorite Guillermo del Toro, he uh, he didn't have an easy time of getting funding for Pan's Labyrinth, even though he's he's coming off a of Hellboy, which is a financial success. He's proven himself as a director. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it's not it's not an easy sell. Well, something with a mythology. Here's the honest truth, though: that movie is going to cost nothing. Uh, Which the, makes it even harder to believe that he can't I know. get funding well, for the it. Thing. The the village didn't need to cost much because. You got, you got to play. You got to pay William Hurt. <laughs> no, you well, you, you make a village. Yeah, and let me tell you, and that's about it. Experience. You don't have to pay William Hurt. <laughs> Phoenix isn't going to give a Joaquin performance. Yeah, we'll see. Oh God. So the thing, the thing <laughs> Keep is, going. No, the thing is, um, the village is. It's a low tech movie. Even if they had had the balls to do monsters, you know, to have it be a monster story, you know, it still would it would have been relatively inexpensive. Um, well, with those costumes, yeah. I mean, seriously, those costumes weren't. weren't I mean, even with all that money, the costumes weren't that hot. No, they. Oh, they weren't. No. They look left over from uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Actually, the thing made 115 million in the states. That's a ridiculous. 255 amount of money. worldwide. I think it's almost a good movie well, in a way. Like 114 was like opening weekend, and then after that. Well, and, and 250 million of those dollars, those people feel cheated. See, it's almost a good so movie bad. in the same sense that the set of The Crow was almost safe. All right. This has been driving me mad. Stereotypes in movie theaters. Uh, we all know that there's that, you know, there's that generic complaint about people with cell phones ringing or people who talk during the movie, or people that grow wings and reenact Jeepers Creepers. But what uh, what are some of the things it, when you go to the movie theater that you see around you, or you're the cause of, that irritate the shit out of you? All right. Cell phones, not the ringing, because this is much worse. The cell phone opening, 
where you're sitting there in a dark theater and there's this big bright display just sitting there distracting you from whatever is going on the screen and they keep flipping it open and closing it and flipping it open and closing it and every couple of minutes and it's like it still works i'm sorry it is I, it that you think it's to check the time or is because they need a light source or a light source for what though i don't know i'm asking you i i don't know i don't care whatever it is take it outside and the, and the worst thing is, is that when I when it when I see it, I'm always like in the upper rows or whatever, and it's somebody in the front that just annoys the shit out of me. It's like someone like with a little laser just pointing at you every couple of seconds and turning it right off. And as soon as you see it once, you can't exactly. You're, you're it's like a beacon attracted you're, to it for right. the rest of the flick. Attracted to it. it. It's strangely alluring, yet forbidden. You know what I I've been noticing a lot lately, and it's it's it freaking drives me crazy is a breather. Like you're sitting near somebody who breathes like disgustingly loud. Like there's this, usually it's a very large person or an old person. I know what you're talking I'm about. I'm glad that you, you know? actually added to that statement. You said who breathes at first. <laughs> I don't like a lot of people sit next to me who breathe. Nick goes to screenings at the morgue often. What? You don't? What were you saying, Micah? What? I, I go to screenings at the morgue. There's no cell phone flipping. There's no breathing. There's no applause. There are no lines. There's also no movie. But there's a lot. There's a whole shitload of buffet all around you. Damn straight. Anyway, you were starting to add to the breathing. No, I'm I'm subtracting actually from it. <laughs> you know, I get mad. I get mad at people. I actually get mad at people who get they get really loud about. Like when a woman, woman or uh, somebody has a baby in the theater and the baby is crying or something, I get mad at the guy who yells at that person, kind of, and then then wants to be like seen as the hero. Have you ever get you ever get it that? It ends the up making more noise than the baby ever. Yeah, could. Yeah, but I, I don't think that's a very heroic moment. Moment whenever you're um, kind of yelling at a woman with a baby. You know, I can't imagine if it was like maybe like a 400 pound man holding a baby and it was crying. I don't know if that same guy would be such a hero you know I don't think you'd see him yelling at, at someone like that probably not if it's a 400 pound man holding a baby <laughs> it ain't a baby to him <laughs> it's movie snack but you know talking that's about you ever see that the guy that wants brand, to be the actually, to be snack. the hero that quieted that quieted the audience Absolutely. actually I don't know it depends what kind of movie it is if you're watching like an NC-17 film that's like fuel rape death murderer face and <laughs> which is a fantastic franchise that was animated though yeah, that's the problem um, and some somebody's brought their kid there's really the no the thing excuse. is Nick has a child and I don't I, I find it hard to believe that he's not going to be showing uh, his daughter horror films as soon as she starts watching films oh I'll show her horror films but I'll show her horror films here I'm not going to take her to the theater and show her horror films you don't want to buy Spring for a ticket? Are you cheap? Is that it? it? My kid ain't worth it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what? What a bastard! No, what I was saying, like, yeah, but his kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think Nick makes a good point, and it's obviously I, that's why I have a kid, right? <laughs> I, I I'll admit I'm I'm a Nazi in the theater, and I I can't <laughs> wish Whoa. only only in the theater, but. I'm, I'm glad. The I'm glad you're able to admit that. Yeah, I you can't see stand him bringing that fucking oven. <laughs> All right, I, I can't stand stepping up and down. I, I can't the stand aisles, the talking, the, the cell phones, anything. 
But I have levels. And it, it as Nick said, it, it kind of goes with the rating. I mean, if I'm going into like a, a Madagascar and there are kids talking, I got no problem with that. But if I'm sitting in Constantine and there's some woman who brought her two-year-old and her four-year-old, I'm pissed. So you're going to be a hero? I'm not a hero. I just you know give her glowering looks and but you don't you don't say anything or but I, i've seen you smother those children and and that's and not heroic the glowering looks he has to open his cell phone to provide the light source <laughs> <laughs> how else are you going to see my glowering eyes that's right all right so andrew is a, a quiet angry person in the theater when something goes wrong uh micah you know he doesn't like cell phones nick i'm summing up which i don't like to do but i'm doing so what, what else what else is what else bothers folks what about breathing Yes, because but what else? What else besides what we've nobody else on? has had sat next to a guy that breathes heaviest. No, I, I know there's there's a guy who comes to some of the Chud screenings, and uh, everybody here knows who I'm talking about. Um, I don't, but the right. uh, the thick guy who gets in despite our best efforts oh, to not let okay. him. I thought in. you meant there was like one of the Chud gang. No, 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 no. Uh, this is one of the leeches, and, and there's the breather. He's a breather, absolutely. I mean, he he sits, he'll sigh like he's reacting to something you know in on the film but it's really his lung reinflating every you know 5 10 minutes little science in the chud show today well you, know, you got to explain wait a minute right? his lung reinflates every 5 to 10 minutes it does that's it's <laughs> incredible sometimes this happens while he's shoving blood around through his blood <laughs> <laughs> a little science on the chud show today <laughs> so Andrew doesn't like fat people in theaters. Is that what? Is that what you're saying? You don't like fatties, according to him, or Jews? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, nice choice Somehow of words. It there. always comes back nice to the Nazis. Yeah. So, man, I, in theaters, Nick, I'm a child killer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a child killer about that stuff that goes down in theaters. What about? Uh, okay, so what? What are your, some of your bitches? When I go in a theater, I like to give VD to people. You know, <laughs> that's the kind of person I am in a theater. Wait, where, where's your complaint at? I don't understand. You've gone over your body language notes. You've been taking honey rape classes. You've even learned how to fear the tango, but you're still not a bookworm relationship. Maybe the problem is a little more complex than we first thought. Here are some ways to deal with the goat vagina. <laughs> Go to your local Avengers mansion. Browse the self-help section for a... B- <laughs> I'll keep going. Go to your local Avengers mansion. Browse the self-help section for a bookworm that addresses your particular issue. Bestsellers like Men Are From Bookworm, Women Are... <laughs> Piece of ball. <clears throat> Bestsellers like Men Are From Bookworm, Women Are From the Neighborhood of Swords have helped numerous people find happiness in their modoc make an appointment with a professional graceful surgery sometimes there's something in your milk alien that is keeping you from finding <laughs> God damn it, Justin. <clears throat> make an appointment with a professional graceful surgery sometimes there's something in your milk alien that is keeping you from finding <laughs> keeping you from finding sad <laughs> I can't even say the fucking word now that is keeping you from finding sad bookworms hurt feelings love. <laughs> Call your local brimstone children and ask if you can meet with an ordained puke critic. Sometimes, just panda fungus with a panther. 
Sometimes just panda fungus with a panther person can help. <laughs> The supporting actor category to me usually yields the, the most rewarding wins and also uh, graces the, the performers who deserve it more because you see those people who are never going to have that leading role or those people who are uh, kind of like the, our unsung heroes. But even there, they don't win for the... I mean, they win for... You know, it's a, they're always playing catch-up. Even then, they don't win for the performance that they deserve it for. Well, I mean, oftentimes, though, the supporting role is the juicy one. You know, it's like... Yeah, but here's the thing. Look at Giamatti, right? Ignored, ignored, ignored. And then, like, probably for Cinderella Man, he has, like, a really good chance. I thought he was going to say ignored, ignored, ignored. Then he became an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the interest of time, I'm going to skip to when he was ignored as an actor. But thank you. Thank you very much. Anyway. For Cinderella Man, You're his chances are, are better than with um, American, American Splendor. Or American Ninja. Yes, American Ninja. Kasugi just edged out Giamatti for that role. Yeah. Or Michael Dudikoff. <laughs> Can we just linger on his name just for a little while? Michael Dudikoff. Have you guys had a chance to, to drive the, the, the Nissan Giamatti? <laughs> Pretty yes. slick, actually affordable. Uh, yeah, and ignored, ignored, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then <laughs> becomes financed. <laughs> no, so okay, yeah. So what I'm saying is that, like, like Mer- I mean, Mercerino is a perfect example of somebody who, after winning the Oscar in Mimic, <laughs> <laughs> she won it actually for. I Mighty Aphrodite. Aphrodite. Girls, because I, I mean, like Mighty Aphrodite. Her, her scenes with Mariah Carey in that. Mm. I, but it's funny because I, I I think uh, Marisavina she's been she's a pretty she's a funny actress she can she can do okay at, at dramatic work and she's just not around anymore. She is. She's back actually. She just made the uh, the final cut. Well, let's not call that a big film. The, yeah, she's I'm back. She's working. She's back and straight to like DVD stuff. That was a Robin Williams movie, right? Didn't mm-hmm. do anything. I mean, but it, it, it was theatrically really. She gets so they, to. I'm not saying. I'm not saying she doesn't get to be in movies sometimes, but she doesn't get to be in movies that are shown very much. She doesn't get the mighty Aphrodite roles anymore. No. Okay, but but why would you cast her in those movies? Because she's pretty. She, because she's related to Paul, and because it, wait, wait, isn't she like some super scholar? Yeah, she's supposed to be a brand. Harvard grad or some shit. Okay. Okay. Supposed to know. Supposed to know uh, Japanese. Like, like, what, what would you cast her in? I mean, if it's going to be a romantic comedy where the studio has a lot of money riding on it, obviously, like, the short list of Zellweger and, I guess, Rachel McAdams I am now. so tired of Zellweger. I, oh, I absolutely agree. I would... Yeah, but that's getting off the subject there, because she's an Oscar winner who still gets work. Yeah, right? I think it ruined her because it put her in front of a lot of other people. I don't think she's so bad sometimes. She's all right, but she's... N- she's well... I mean, she. I don't. I can't think of many films where she was the deserving. You know who thinks she's all right, Mr. Kenny Chesney. Who? Her, her husband. husband. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, he's a country music. We're guy. into the People magazine. As uh, they just got podcast. married, guys. They <laughs> just got married. Here's the thing that annoys me about her. Boyfriend, her boyfriend, boyfriend Jack Black, also tied the knot. I wonder if it's a retaliation marriage. Thank you. I, let's ponder that for God, a second. I hope you get punched in the blood. <laughs> Like, her performances, to me, are, like, very, like... I don't know if it's necessarily the roles, but they're always, like, very sticky. Like, 
her characters, like the the down with love character or the cold mountain one, like it just seems like she's like chewing scenery, like trying to fit. But in. she still gets work. I mean, that, I mean, that, we're talking about people who uh, yeah, don't but no, get work. Yeah, but she also Oscar. does a lot of crap. No, I, I think she might have cho- she might have not been this darling and put so much in front of our faces if she didn't want though. I mean, like look I think at, I said Jack Black instead of Jack White. By the way, you did. Oh my gosh, horrible. What was Halle Berry's first movie after winning the Oscar? Was it Gothica? Catwoman? No, Goth. Wait. It might have been. Gothica, Gothica was before Catwoman. Gothica was and the that first was, one. Uh, Gothica, Catwoman, that's that's a demise right there. To be fair, though, Halle Berry, like, still... I, I'm, I'm not going to go into the whole black thing. I mean, not now. Not it again. Sound like it. But I would, it, opportunities for, like, black actresses... I would and, love like, to watch you go into a black thing. I mean... It, <laughs> To be honest, like okay, let's. I like say, how he does that. He's like, I'm not gonna go into the black thing at all. But here we but go. Goddamn here crackers. we go. <laughs> and I, I agree, Mike. I Look, mean, you guys got the hoods. I'm gonna do the black thing. <laughs> nice. But you said you weren't. <laughs> I lied. Okay, no. But okay, what were you saying? Because I no, I opportunities for black actresses in like leading roles are like very few and far between. So of course she's gonna take comic book crap that's offered to her well she gets paid a lot of money and she gets to actually be a lead in the film and it's a it's a movie that a lot of people are paying attention to before it's released i mean catwoman at least was kind of seen as maybe it could have been a good film and but i you know that's still that's another woman uh, another actor or actress that got the oscar and went on to success you know I did mean, she well she she's still being able to make movies well, she's, no, she's getting paid yeah. All, right, all right, she's yeah, making money. Let, she let hasn't made a good movie. She, she just still, did a TV movie. She still gets to be in movies, Wait, and people still seek her out movie. for films. Dorothy Dandridge? No, 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 no. That was like an HBO movie. I'm talking about like an ABC movie. That was the last thing she did in ABC. But movie. she'll still be in well, films. Here's another thing. Her performance in Monsters Ball was not noteworthy. Don't tell that to the monster. I have yet to see a Halle Berry I'm, performance that's noteworthy. I'm going to disagree. Don't tell that to the monster. <laughs> Don't tell that to the monster. Are you, are you saying the monster thinks it, the monster had the wool? I have to explain that, Micah. So no, I mean, what you think it was not, a great Nick? I'm not going to go into the whole monster thing, but <laughs> <laughs> you lied. So you think that was a great performance? I think it was a very good performance. I mean, the the line between very good and great is arguable. I mean, she, granted, it's not easy to look convincing while being throttled by Billy Bob. Yeah, she had to act like she was attracted to Billy Bob. That's why they gave her the Oscar. I mean, it's hard to do. It, oh, believe me. I'm sorry. They, you've taken all the easy jokes. <laughs> I, I, do like the, I do like the fact that Heath Ledger has the most awkward suicide ever, as well as a truly romantic love scene. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots himself in the chest. During the love scene, that's that's a great thing. <laughs> that's the, that's during the masturbation sequence. So he's okay. he's pleasure. He's taking all the easy deaths in Monster Ball. Anyway, and in the Patriot, apparently, Halle Berry. Like even even beforehand, like Monsters Ball. Okay, is like a it, it was like a small indie movie that got some notice, and that's like the only place that she's going to be getting like like a bunch of leading work is. Let's be honest. Ed, what what black actresses are cast in like as leads in films? Period. Snipes. <laughs> you talking about Gina Snipes, star of uh, what? 
I had a feminine side and blade. <laughs> We're speechless here. I hate you. I, I, I mean, I'm going to keep saying it. We've got enough subject, gentlemen. These are sick people that got the Oscar and who, who won on success. What about success. Marissa Tomei? Yeah, but she, yeah, I mean, that's a good example. But she's starting now. She's starting to come back yeah, into. She's got a little bit of a research because she's doing indie stuff now. But she was also in Anger Management, which was a hit. And uh, Alfie, she was the the major, which wasn't chick. a hit. No, but Wait. she was the major chick in Alfie. She wasn't a major character in Anger, was she? She was the girlfriend of Adam Sandler. She had the major female part, I guess, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't. She's a female lead she in Alfie. Yeah. Huh. I guess all that matters is Sienna Miller in that movie. Uh, I didn't, I didn't like her in, the, in that, but I, I loved her in Layer Cake. Did she live in that? Did she survive that film? Layer Cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I've forgotten most of that movie. Guys, guys, Jude Law just cheated on her with his nanny. <laughs> uh, really? That's 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 a guy that I'm I'm a little tired of. I'm, I'm tired of seeing I don't know how Jude you Law. Could be. I he I mean talk about someone that he's not in a lot of films. Johnny Depp is completely <laughs> overexposed, but I still I can I can tolerate Johnny Depp because he's he's a hell of an actor. Johnny Depp lives in France. Jude Law plays the same fucking character in every damn movie, and where Pacino and Sam Jackson get away with it because they're magnetic characters. He's he's a blank slate no, to me. He's, no, a, he's, a, act, he's a beige pair of pants. He, he he did that once he started getting some notice. But that guy was jumping around with a lot of character yeah, parts I, early on. I, early I, on, I mean, yes. Yeah, like that's M- why I'm Midnight tired of him Garden now. Of Good and Evil, talented Mr. Ripley. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean there was some some genuinely. But now, I mean, once he got notice from those, and they were like, okay, the guys like drop dead gorgeous. They just cast him in these bland leading roles over and over. No, no, and no. Over. You, you can't you can't put the blame on them though. The the they put him in these movies. No, no, no. He accepts every one of these films, and where where similar actors take more chances, he takes the boring. The the he leading a, man. I mean, I he heard Huckabee is the biggest Nanny. chance he's taken. Right, but here here's the thing though. Is it's not like Sky Captain was like a, a safe choice. Right, like that's a first that's time fair. Director that's fair. I hadn't considered Sky Captain after it came out. It wasn't a safe choice. <laughs> hey Justin, do you remember where that was filmed? <laughs> I believe the man used his computer to make that movie. Micah, can you enlighten us a little bit on the history of Sky Captain? No, and I think you guys are a little bit wrong about Jude Law. I think he's still a pretty good actor. I think he just. You're right. He became overexposed, but he can still act. He's still he's, good. He's a great actor, and he doesn't right. always turn in the Jude Law performance. I don't think. I think he. Uh, Cold Mountain wasn't a great film, but I, I think that he he played a different character than say Alfie in, in Cold Mountain. You know what sucks about about actor. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow is that it completely killed my project about this guy who goes around murdering airline airline baggage handlers. <laughs> Wait, it, it was what's all that, done what's, that, what's that called? Sky capping. <laughs> so they added the World of Tomorrow piece. I thought that was going to help me, but shit, the movie made $18. You know who else that that, uh, that movie killed? Carrie Conran, the director. He He's not too hot after Sky Captain. It killed him. What's he directing now? I want to hear. He's directing something traffic. huge. No, no, he was attached. <laughs> he was attached to Princess. I want to hear an Asian guy say his name. But <laughs> I, I think <laughs> he's a because we're not stereotypical. He, he's attached. He's attached to Princess of Mars, but he's uh, who knows if he's still making that. I mean, because come on, Scott Captain. He's, he's still exactly, attached. 
Yeah, but but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, Wes Craven has been attached to a bazillion movies that haven't gotten made. Lots of people. I, I, I think, yeah, Conran is, is, for now, persona. And non-black. funnily enough, that movie is actually pretty damn good. It's not I, a bad film. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. I, like I liked Scott. it. I really do. It's a shame that, uh, that Jude Law had the misfortune of a lot of his films that were done completely different times come out at the same time because it made him look like he was overexposed but honestly those films were done at such varying intervals that it was just bad timing you know it's Plus I mean, some of them weren't good the, the fact yeah i mean yeah but i mean if if they had come out under a more healthy release schedule nobody would have really made by it the way good. Jude Law never won an oscar i believe did he what? Never won an Oscar, Jude Law. No. no. And actually, he was the weakest in Closer, which was a great movie. He was the weakest? I thought he was the weakest in that cast. So a lot of people say Portman was the weakest. Portman was the strongest. Her and Owen, Owen were the strongest. Owen was easily the strongest. Well, I mean, Portman had a thankless role, like, comparatively. She didn't get any juicy dialogue. She was the victim. She oh, was. I think she, a, got, she, I think she a got a good bit, character to play. Really, she didn't commit to, to that chick being a stripper. She committed fine. Yeah. My God. What? I mean, what do you want to fucking? You just don't like Natalie Portman, I think. No, I'd... you're you're upset that she wouldn't do the nude scene, no. aren't you? No, that's not it. It it's not. So it's you're not... upset that she wouldn't port a man. I uh, terrible. No, no, I mean like she seemed like you're upset she wouldn't nat a me. I vote to remove Justin from the rest of this program. I vote to remove Justin from existence. <laughs> Starring Jude Law. From existence. <laughs> Thank you. Everything on the wheel. I, I drew out this just to give you that window of opportunity. No, I mean, I, I thought she did lovely in her little stripper sequence. Mm. Yeah, I think she looked she pretty good. She didn't seem believable to me she ble- at all. She seemed believable. Well, she wasn't crying enough for Micah's taste. Yeah, I mean, the strippers I know... She didn't leave a slug trail. When I'm alone in a room with a stripper, <laughs> if they're not crying and leaving a slug trail, I just... Well, she did cry in that film. Where was the slug trail, though? Where the fuck was the slug trail? They didn't Where? pan down. Where? Maybe she's Natalie Dry. <laughs> well... I guess everybody has their favorite performance, but I, how could you say that? Uh, how could you say Jude Law was worse than uh, Julie Roberts? Who I thought Julie Roberts okay. was awesome. She was okay. Yeah, she okay. I mean, so you guys are tainted by your hate. No, I don't, I don't hate her. I really don't. I don't. I don't hate her either. But she she had the least. She had no role in that film. She had a, she had the I guess the smallest part in that film. Uh, and I don't know. I the mean, scene Jude Law where, actually had a character. The scene where her and Owen have their blow up. It would not have been as good had she not been right there, toe to toe with him, delivering dialogue. That seems good because of Owen. Yeah, Owen. Owen. Her it's line. All him. She's got the tough. She's got the most vicious line in that entire sequence. And that would hey. be no, the one where he's what? that line. That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> I just I just powered down my battle droid. <laughs> That is a pretty tough line. It's I'll a give scene you that. where they're talking about the taste of his manpower. <laughs> okay. You don't remember that sequence? Mm-mm. Oh, that's brilliant. I did hear that Jude Law cheated on Sienna Miller with his nanny. Let's talk about that, shall we? Okay. <laughs> and apparently Jack Black married somebody. Is that, <laughs> okay. 
This is 42 minutes. I will edit the dick out of it. <laughs> We're back uh, with the uh, mail segment of the show, and I just wanted to share a joke that Dave Davis kept telling at San Diego. Dave Davis being? Dave Davis being one of the editors of Chud.com. His joke Chud. was... Chud.com being? What is the best thing about fucking 28-year-olds? What is the best thing? That there's 20 of them. I've heard I've heard that joke before, Dave Davis. I don't think he I don't think he wrote that one. But I think it's great that Dave Davis was the guy that said it. He's got an eye for the toddlers, and not just aren't, the girls. Aren't aren't they tykes at that point though? <laughs> the girls, if they like each other. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So t- the first letter we will do is from Slater. Long time Chud message board presence. And now, what are you doing? What are, what are you talking about? The letter we're doing. The, the you have to introduce the segment here, Nick. We're on the podcast, remember? You have to introduce the segment. No. Okay. I don't have to do Just, just read some shit. letters then. I mean, the six people that are listening understand. <laughs> Three, two, <laughs> no. Okay, so it's. The five people, the four so, people. <laughs> so what see. Slater asked us, and I'm, he's, he, he had a few questions here, so we'll, I'll just do one and then we'll see what happens. Um, how would you fix the Aliens franchise? Predator. So what he's asking is, how would you fix the Aliens franchise or the Predator? And the first thing I would say is, I would probably lessen the price of the combo meal at the Aliens franchise. <laughs> aren't there aren't there doctors who can do that sort of fixing for franchises? So that now Slater, uh, by the way, if uh, Slater's a big time Chud uh, message board member, right? And he writes a video game column now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a writer, contributor to the site. But this isn't about his... him, is it? It's about no, just, I just give him his I'm tired of talking about it. It's all about honestly. you. But he, uh, so he wants to know about uh, Alien? The franchise Aliens so, or Predator. Okay. So what do you think, Justin? What do I think about? Well, And that's Justin talking. Because oh, yeah, you cause guys sometimes forget who we are. Yeah, we have to identify ourselves. This is, this is Justin. Um, I would like to see a new Alien movie. Uh, without the Predator, like uh, Alien vs. Predator, I didn't really enjoy it. I'd like to see a new Alien movie with Sigourney Weaver. Who Nick are, Nick doesn't yeah. like that idea, but oh, I, I think it. I think she's kind of the 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 backbone of that of that franchise. Nick disagrees with me. I agree. I, I agree. I think she's 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 two films out of it. She should have been gone after Aliens. How do you agree with and and, and the great. Mean? Well, how do I? I just w- said that you disagree with me. No, and you said I, I, agree. I agree with your assessment on what my take is. <laughs> so it's a little complex here. He agrees to well, disagree. I agree with that, Nick. Uh, that you agree that I dis. Huh? Let's witness the semantic jousting. But I really it's do think that she. Good. I think her character is the most important part of those movies. And it's it's not her it fault. It is called Sigourney's. <laughs> but it's not her fault that the, I mean, in a way, she's overproducing the last film. But those two movies are bad. That's actually what they call those movies over in Europe. Good. That's actually the awards show they have at the end of every year. But those two movies are bad because they're bad movies, and the first two are good because they're good movies. And she's a great part of the reason why the first two are good. I think all all of them have their you know they're all I could watch them all at any given time. But I, I just think that the star of the film is the aliens, and uh, I'm just getting. I mean, the Ripley story ended. It ended. I mean, like it's a shame that they had to kill off. Newt and Hicks, which was basically like her, the end of her arc, her salvation. Her. They, and the reason they had to do that is they waited, they waited a little bit too long to get the third one going, and the girl was too. Well, by then Michael Biehn was an A-list superstar, <laughs> and so was Harry Hen. And so, 
but the, that's, the thing is that what's what stinks is Aliens is such a um, I think it's such an amazing film it's such a good film and it it is it accomplished so much within that within the storyline and then the third one starts and the girl's dead okay you know? so let's quickly summarize how you personally would fix the Aliens franchise is that is that you're saying you would bring no I, back? I would just I, 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 what I'm saying I don't know how I'd fix it I, I, I what I would do to fix it would get it be, you know get a good director and a writer on the movie and and bring Sigourney back in and make it another alien film and uh, like the first two. Okay, Andrew Sweeney, what would you do? I, I think if you bring Sigourney back in, you're going to make a film like the second two. I, I think it's a mistake. And I'm going to commit a little bit of fanboy heresy and say that I think Paul Anderson had the right idea, uh, at least in the direction of the Aliens franchise, for Aliens vs. Predator. Now, the ex- execution was not good, but I like the idea of seeing the, the Weyland yutani Corporation come together. I like the idea of setting that up uh, I, I I think that's the part of the of the legacy that hasn't been hasn't been visited too much. I mean, we've seen the aliens. Okay, we've seen what they can do. There's only two places we haven't been. We haven't been, you know, back further in the past, and we haven't been to the alien planet. Um, you know, where where you fall on on that coin, I don't know. No, okay. And Michael, what about you? Well. The good alien films are good because they had a, a director who was kind of like at the height of his powers, who was able to take ownership of the movie and put his distinctive stamp on it. So that's the first thing you have to do with another alien film. You know, some auteur who's, you know, kind of really humming. His last couple of films have been great. Maybe a Tim Story, a Chris Columbus. Maybe a Brett Ratner. Can we bring John Hughes out of retirement? No, I, I mean I'm thinking of a really short list here. But that that line of thinking doesn't always work because you know who did uh, City of the Lost Children and Delicatessen before he did Alien Resurrection. Uh, he he had made great films and then he screwed up in the, but, the fourth Alien but, film. Was that really his fault though? I don't think that. Who prob- knows whose fault it was? Yeah, I mean, that, well, the problems with Alien Four weren't with the direction. That's not. But the, I mean, not that I read about this all the time, but uh, some people say that that it was with the direction of that film. I mean, he, you know, he's, he was a, he couldn't speak much English, apparently. Uh, he, uh, but at least he pronounced his name. He changed, you know, he, he, he revised the script from what, you know, Joss Whedon wrote the script. I'm not saying it was a great script, but he changed the script, uh, to, to suit his needs, you know, and, and it's, there's bad moves made in that movie. You know, I don't know if they come from the script or from Janot, but I mean, you kind of have to place a little bit of blame on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, he's a, I think he's a great director. I just think that, um, you can't always and, and Fincher's movies got problems as well I mean Fincher's that was his first film granted but he's a great director and he couldn't really make an amazing alien movie I think Fox had just way too many people on that project they went through so many revisions both of those films a lot of rewrites a lot of like second guessing and when you're dealing with um, you know a studio that has an idea of what their franchise is when in fact it's only as good as the the creator that they entitle it to uh, you're asking for trouble, and if you keep in mind, Aliens versus Predator also went through a billion, you know, generations. So, you know, and, and you can't. It, I don't think you can ever pin it on one person or or, any, or you know, like or one aspect. I and mean, the third movie is beloved by some, and Fincher won't even talk about it anymore, right? I mean, he he thinks yeah. it's a disgrace. So, I mean, apparently they did take it out of his hands. You know, I don't know. I I, I don't I don't. I mean, I think the good thing that's happened because of the second two, the second, you know, the third and the fourth films. As well as Aliens vs. Predator and all of the peripheral stuff that's come out, is that it's not as sacred as it used to be, and you know there are la- now I think there's more flexibility. You don't have to knock it out of the park, and I'm perfectly content with an Alien movie every few years that is 
that as long as it does try to take little strides, like Andrew said, towards furthering the storyline a little bit, I don't need it to be aliens. That's like a once in a lifetime type movie. What I want is to see the aliens. I want to see you know their interaction because I mean the whole Sigourney. The species uh, is is to me the most interesting thing about the film. I could care less about the human characters, honestly, except I mean, Ripley, especially Ripley. Oh. She's already been killed, cloned. We've seen her in her drawers. I mean, what more do we need? She, you know, she needs a black partner. I like well, Ripley. wisecracking black. Partner. That is your answer for everything. I I need a wisecracking black partner, and I'm black. I saw Godzilla there. You know, it's like, wow. do you ever have memories that are attached to specific? Oh, if you see Godzilla anywhere, wouldn't that make it a special place? Yes. But he fucked me. <laughs> I, I'm not seeing the problem with this scenario. Are you talking about the the movie with Matthew Broderick? Are you talking about the actual? Like, it's like I, I I was at Starbucks I and like, I saw Godzilla there. I was going man in suit, man in suit, man in me. <laughs> <laughs> so no. Anyway, he didn't take the suit off. Is so so I say you did more than you than than seeing Godzilla there. And then that's not you're kind of you're kind of uh, going light, I guess on 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 the term to see. He welded to me using his green cock. <laughs> and by cock, you mean? I mean so ter- basically, I that, mean terrific. In that experience, maybe you don't want to go watch a movie there anymore because no I'm just saying that theater has it's got memories associated because you were you were sexually abused by a radioactive monster I wouldn't say abused that kind of thing can change a man yeah but when you say abused I I don't get it what you mean is that like a a kiss on the cheek from like a first girlfriend you don't want to wash your face this is kind of the experience you had with Godzilla I can't reach where uh, Godzilla abused me so it's not an issue at least not anymore yeah no but seriously going back to the thing that I was trying to get. I, I think I can top your Godzilla story, and this this is uh, my bachelor party. Rape by Mothra. <laughs> and the twins. No, my, my bachelor hurt. party... Like a millimeter tall. Uh, my bachelor party in Lafayette, Indiana. inside you for weeks, you wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah, actually, I have a Jet Jaguar story that's going to slay yours. If you want to waste the time telling it, shoot. I'll, I'll back off. All right, well, anyway. Bow down to Jet Jaguar. So what's the movie that is a bad uh, experience? My, my bachelor party... We didn't go to a strip bar. We didn't uh, go see naked ladies. We went to see Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. And um, on the way there, Tony Katane got snatched. Let me just let <laughs> me just uh, the- let me just guess here. Your bachelor party full of dorks. <laughs> Is it? Am I correct? I mean, we're near here. Shot in the dark. Uh, you're pretty cool. I mean, I was there, and that's uh, you know, Andrew. You let your your guys the- took you to Planet of the Apes. For your bachelor party. That's where I wanted to go, Justin. How you, was- know, you know it's funny? <laughs> when I saw Godzilla, full of dorks. <laughs> you were or the theater was? <laughs> I was. <laughs> so after after the... Uh, and by full of dorks, I... I where did you guys end up here. after um, playing the Apes I, Roller you know I, Honest to God, I can't really remember. Oh, yeah. I, I just remember being so pissed. And and 
that it made you late for that D&D session yet all set up. You're like, fucking Christ, man. They had to throw on an extra trailer. You know what's funny, though? Planet I'm, of the Apes, I'm married, asshole. Planet of the Apes you? sounds like the description of the perfect bachelor party. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. You'd think so. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. And then Planet of the Apes happened. <laughs> <laughs> this was before there was a film called Planet of the Apes. <laughs> this has to be... I mean, this sounds like... Really does sound like the worst bachelor party of all time. <laughs> it, it wasn't good. Are but, your uh, friends mad at you? No, no, they why, they why went right along with it. Why are you mad at them? No, he wanted to go to that. That's what, that's that's, what he wanted to do. Okay, Lafayette, Indiana is a small place. Why aren't you mad at them? They're not real friends. Hindsight's twenty twenty, my friend. God damn it! You went to Planet of the Apes. <laughs> 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 what did you do for your bachelor party? <laughs> we, um, my friends took me to Ronan. <laughs> the movie or the Planet Master of the, the Samurai? I'm, no, I'm serious though. Like, why would you admit that to us? I had to top Nick's Godzilla story. This isn't a confession. All right, let, I feel fine now. Let me go ahead and ask. Where, what are you guys doing for my bachelor party? We're apparently being in Atlanta. Well, you're halfway across the country. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> this is it. Enjoy. You, you, you took me to the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking across the table at you and and and, and thinking about that. <laughs> I'm a little sad. So I'm a little sad age. from Andrew's story. I'm, it's kind of depressed me a little bit. Wait a minute. My my story is going to be that you took me to the podcast. The, the That's what I'm going to tell my children. Funny thing is, Andrew got lucky <laughs> <laughs> at that screening. <laughs> You had to confess afterwards. Before we go, I want to share with you a few of the segments that remain from our San Diego Comic-Con recordings. While we were out there, Devin Faraci, Dave Davis, Russ Fisher, and a bunch of guys were out there, uh, you know, for the convention. And we recorded some podcast stuff, but Dave Davis, in his infinite wisdom, kept turning his microphone on and off and on and off and on. Thus, turning off and on the microphones of all of us because we were using splitter cables and whatnot. That's technical shit. You need not worry about it. Bottom line is, most of it was unusable, but I did want to share some because you just simply have to hear Devin and his laugh. So enjoy these, and uh, we'll catch you uh, in a few weeks with the next podcast. So enjoy it, and this is a special note to Steve Murphy. Blow yourself. Welcome to segment two of the Chud Podcast. Uh, I'm Nick Nunziata along with Dave Davis, Devin Faraci, and Jeremy Smith of Collider.com, our special guest. We will be talking about the San Diego Comic-Con and all of its splendors and the tit of the girl who Russ was speaking to. (laughs) Uh, What was that tit like specifically? Besides German. Omnipresent is one word I'd use. Could you describe in great detail? How would you compare it to the Tara Reid titty slip? It was okay. Here's how here's how it worked out. Let's set the scene. We're at a, a little beverage party. Let's specify. Let's specify. Wait, wait, wait. Who calls it a beverage party? <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where does it? <laughs> that is that is a, a solid distributor. If you are extremely white, that's a house party. Okay, beverage party. I think we should set the stage. We were at a party for uh, the clan. We were doing right. the clan. The clan. Uh, the clan. Oh, the f- oh the you really want to tell? Right. Let's 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 name drop because we're at a party for the fountain. Uh, Warner Brothers uh, picture from Darren Aronofsky. Our very very good friend uh, and Rachel Weiss, who's uh, our very 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 good friend, and, uh, and not, an, not an unattractive lady. Advice. No, no, she's not. She's well, not gross. 
Yeah, and and More and and Elizabeth Berkeley, who was there for Elizabeth no Berkeley, was there promoting uh, Save by the Bell, the Midian years. Actually, Elizabeth <laughs> was there. She was she was she was her, collecting the empty coke cans. Uh, to recycle for nickels. So. Okay, here's the, let's set the scene. The light was shining in through the front door uh, into this bar, and a girl entered. Uh, she was wearing no bra and a transparent out, uh, you know, blouse, and left us with nothing to the imagination. Nipples a plenty of fire. It was br- brilliant. <laughs> Later on in the day, Russ Fisher arrives from hard work for Yahoo.com, who he mercenaries for. And next thing you know, he is talking with this girl. Have laptop uh, will travel. Uh, he was ba- I didn't hear a lot. I heard the words German and Beaver several times. Das mm-hmm. Beaverstein. But what Russ did not Before realize. We figured out she was German. <laughs> well, this is all at her mouth. Yeah. And and uh, the f- I noticed that there was a mysterious odor, peekaboo effect going on as she leaned over and her breast made itself known. Russ, however, did not notice it. He was too busy shooting Spy Kids four. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, everyone comes to Comic Con in a costume, and this weekend uh, our own Russ was dressed as Robert Rodriguez, uh, the finest uh, Texan to make films about people in front of green screens ever. Linklater is going to challenge that, I think. Aside well, from I, Martin Ritt, but that's. <laughs> I don't think I don't, there, there are no green screens in Scanner Darkly. I was thinking of Days and Confused. Oh, yes. Yes, well, that's, you, that's what you call Ben Affleck's forehead. I don't know. All right, but. so, uh, Dave, what has been the uh, the most interesting thing you've seen here at the con so far? Dumpster Doom. Dumpster Doom. Tell us a little about Dumpster Doom, <laughs> as Sean in the background. Sean, it sounds like a Mr. Bungle record in the background. <laughs> no, that's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's, he's, okay. He really is muttering. It's, 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 it's like... <laughs> Yeah. Dave, let's hear it. Dumpster Doom was uh, was probably the finest costume that I that I saw on the convention floor. It it seemed to it seemed to be enthusiasm. Uh, enthusiasm. Are you gonna shut the fuck up, Sean? <laughs> nope. nope. The answer to the question is nope. Sean's so overrated. The coming soon podcast, which is already being updated, yeah, coming soon would be nothing already, like they're, this. They're streaming it live. They got in the TARDIS and went back and updated. They're very TARDIS. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. We love coming soon. Uh, yes, the Dumpster Doom costume consisted of a blanket and some tinfoil. Which is Guantanamo Bay's <laughs> non preferred <laughs> method of... <laughs> Of humiliation. <laughs> they actually, they, that's how they're torturing people now. They're, they're identifying them with the Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> Send them. This is actually the, the, I mean, it's. That's where they're doing their auditions for two. Yeah. <laughs> these, these people haven't even seen the movie and they know. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, that's actually really good. Devin, what's the, what's the fuck this thing you've seen here at the con today? Um, I have seen uh, far too many acres of flesh at the con uh, this weekend. And that's just on one guy. That's on that was uh, that was on that was on that one girl. Uh, that was on tons of girl, tons of girl. We saw her previously, and she was. Uh, you could grow the entire rainforest back on her gunt, on her gunt specifically. I got to watch a girl get awarded her wheelchair broke, so they awarded her her first sail barge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, speaking of which, I'm like the salacious crumb of this particular podcast as I cackle away. <laughs> so. What about you, Jeremy? What have you seen that's blowing your pants off? Um, Other uh, than Russ's tit girl. Uh, I, you know, I've seen John Landis. Uh, yeah, and, and, and seen John Landis shout down Stuart Gordon. Uh, shout down? Shout down. Well, no, just, just kind of, you know. 
uh, contradict. No, it was the uh, the Masters of Horror panel. So he's the director he was, of uh, Day Gone By. Yes. Uh, no, no. Actually, John Landis was just trying to. Uh, he's kind of throwing his weight around on the panel, talking about the uh, uh, the rating situation, the fact that uh, a lot of newspapers, like daily newspapers, uh, New York Times, Los Angeles Times, will not advertise um, uh, NC seventeen movies, which you know, kind of a patently false uh, assertion. Stuart Gordon jumped into uh, kind of. Uh, correct him and uh landis like you know just didn't want to be uh yeah now, landis didn't is want upset to... because he doesn't believe that the vic morrow story can be told below nc-17 <laughs> is that why uh well <laughs> that was or, Devin or decency <laughs> address uh second floor third street i think <laughs> brooklyn before we move on to the next let's talk about the uh the hall of shame Hall of Shame? Dave? The Walk of Shame. The Walk of Shame, my bad. Uh, what, my, what, my favorite so yeah, far? Yeah. Probably watching WWF wrestler Virgil <laughs> sitting... Counting his count, bills. Counting his money <laughs> while, while no one waited in line to see him. And then promptly placing it on a purchase... Of Virginia Avenue. Well, no, because no, Virgil, he was he was saving it for uh, for Ted DiBiase. That was, you know, that's right. That's he, just, just I, that's think I think he still owes him. Yeah. What about you, Dev? Who impressed you the least over um, there? Uh, probably, I was most <laughs> out, of, impressed. out of all the disappointing people. I was most impressed most that they were able by. to get Margot Kidder out of the garbage can on the corner <laughs> and bring her to the booth where she was signing Superman uh, material in front of a giant person of indeterminate gender. Who if, I known she was, if I would have known she was going to be at the con, I was going to bring a piece of firewood for her to <laughs> sign. And, and we had a Batman traffic guard. We did. Who he, had he had George Clooney's chin. He did. He borrowed it. He was it. ham-faced. He, was, he had Ray Walston's body. Buddy. Yeah, he's he's straining. To, he is really straining to jut that thing out there too. I mean, that is not natural. Question: How many gay fuckings before I am officially awesome? <laughs> Answer: Bard. <laughs>